Well, Dr. Arthur Perry, he's one of the top plastic surgeons. He's got offices in Manhattan, New Jersey. You know, and he's been doing a show here on WOR for years and years and years. Very uh, popular show and a great plastic surgeon. Everybody has questions on this subject, so uh, he's the guy to ask. Dr. Arthur Perry. No, the public wants to know. The public doesn't give a damn. And I went to his office, and I said, mm. I said, look at my face. He goes, yeah, look at your face. We're going to do your face. What can you do with his face? I go like that. I swear to God. I go, look at this. I'm getting old. I said, I want to maybe you could fix it up a little bit. Dr. Oz, are you there? I'm here, Arthur, and I want to get applaud you, having worked with you on a book and numerous other activities. You want to talk to Arthur Perry? The best in plastic surgery. Remarkable knowledge, but also your grace at delivering content, which is why it's been a blessing to have you on my show so many times. When I was a resident at the University of Chicago, we had a... That means you're smart. As a really, really gifted physician, uh, I want to pay you the, the highest tribute I can give to a surgeon, which is when people come to you, they don't come for an operation, they come for an opinion. And that's why I trust you with my uh, friends and relatives. I didn't realize we were going to get the Michael Jordan of plastic surgeon. 90210 bows to this guy. And welcome. This is board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and this is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. And I have with me my co-host, Susan Warner. Susan, how are you today? Hey, Dr. Perry, how are you? Terrific. We are broadcasting live from Sag Harbor in the Hamptons. And, uh, in fact, this is our first broadcast ever from outside the building. We're, we're sitting around the pool. We're eating pizza. Oh, it's a great life. It's summer here. <laughs> and so uh, we're having a good time this evening. I hope you are also. Tonight we've got a great show planned for you. Now, if this is the very first time you've ever listened to me, where, where have you been the last 17 years? I've been right here every Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. And uh, and Susan has been joining me the last few months. And uh, and who is Susan? Susan is a uh, college counselor in Manhattan. She's a journalist and author. She's got a great book coming out, and uh, she's got a podcast. Susan is suddenly single, and you can hear it on iHeart. Where else can you hear it, Susan? Oh, Apple, Google, um, Spotify. Everywhere. Everywhere. Can, yeah. And if you haven't listened to our podcast, it is riveting. And she puts new ones out uh, every Monday or so. Every, every, si other. every second Monday. This Monday is a tough one. It should be um, really a, a good show. Okay. Well, we will all be listening. And tonight, thank you for listening to me. Uh, we've got all sorts of things planned for you. We're going to talk about earlobes today. Ears and earlobes. You know, we've talked in the past, but... Oh, it's uh, the uh, the forgotten stepchild of plastic surgery. You know, the poor little earlobes, they are uh, they are underrepresented in uh, in the cosmetic surgery world. But so many women have issues with their earlobes. So we're going to talk about that today. And how many of you? We've got a little dog running around uh, in the background. Uh, and uh, yeah, he'll, our uh, mascot Winston. Yeah, Winston will be part of the show this evening. I'm sure he'll make his appearance very soon. Uh, we're going to talk. Susan doesn't know this. We're going to talk about removal of radiation tattoo pigment. And you know, if you've ever had a uh, you know a cancer, breast cancer, or other types of cancers, you had pigment on your uh, on your body, and there are a lot of issues with that. So we're going to talk about removing that pigment, and. Uh, more problems with the Brazilian butt lift. Boy, there's some bad things in the news this week, Susan. So we're going to talk about that. You know that's one of my, my favorite topics because I don't do that procedure. You are the authority on anti-Brazilian butt lift. It, it, it really is true. You know, I wrote that piece for USA Today, and uh, everybody from the New York Times to uh, Mehmet Oz to uh, the Red Table Talk has had me on talking about why I don't do the Brazilian butt lift. So there's more information about that. So we're going to talk all about it. But most importantly, 
We want your phone calls. 800-321-0710 is the phone number here at WOR. I may be at the Hamptons, but Noah is sitting in the studio in Manhattan waiting for your phone call. He, he's just sitting there. He's twiddling his fingers on the table. He wants phone calls. So 800-321-0710. We're giving away bottles of daytime. Daytime because it's the summer, and today the UV index was like 100. Now, I can't go uh, beyond 11. It was searing today. It was searing and if you were out in the sun more than 20 minutes, you got burned today. If you did not, you, and yes, Susan's a little red. You know, I've tried to get her to use my daytime. I had it on. She had it on. I was out too long. She was out too long. Yeah, you know, you have to put it on fairly thick. A lot of people put sunscreen on thin. Remember a few weeks ago we did the bottle cap uh, guideline for how much sunscreen to put on it. And for your face, if you're just sitting outside, it's a half a bottle cap. I bet you didn't put a half a bottle cap. With my daytime... It's about four big squirts gets about half a bottle cap. You have to smear it on your face to get the full SPF. Did you do that? Probably didn't put on enough. Tomorrow. Didn't. Okay. All right. She promises tomorrow she'll put it on because we don't want you to sizzle. She's very light-skinned, and if you're light-skinned and, uh, and you go out in the sun more than 20 minutes and don't use sunscreen, you're asking for all sorts of problems. You're asking for premature aging. You're asking for wrinkles. Sunspots. Sunspots. That was, uh, that's right. Some people call them liver spots. I don't like that term. Like you that. Know, it's a, they're sunspots. They're brown. You know, they're freckles when you're a kid, Susan, mm. but they're age spots. They're not when you're cute old. when you're older. No, they're not. They're not. And, uh, and then, you know, worse, worse skin cancers, basal cell carcinomas, squamous cell carcinomas, melanomas. I saw two basal cell carcinomas on the nose in my practice last week, too. So, you know, you have to put the sunscreen on your nose. Everybody puts it on their shoulders, you know. They don't want to get sizzled. But the nose and the ears are the most common areas to get basal cell carcinomas. And so put the sunscreen on if that's the only thing you're going to do. And also put it on the bottom lip. The bottom lip takes more ultraviolet radiation than the top lip. And that is what you, a lot of people get squamous cell carcinomas on the lower lip. And that's not a fun thing to have. All right, so 800-321-0710 is the phone number. Give me a call, and uh, you'll walk away with a very free bottle of Dr. Perry's Daytime. It's actually Beauty in a Bottle Daytime. We've renamed it. So how about earlobes? Let me see your earlobes, Susie. You have to take I off. I owe you a lot with earlobes. I had pierced ears that weren't working. I couldn't get an earring in, and you took care of them, and I am loving wearing earrings every day. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh, Back in the old days, you know, in the 1960s, it really was only doctors that pierced ears, you know? By the 1970s, it was nurses. By the late 70s, it was the high school student in the piercing pagoda. I think I had that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, or, or maybe your, uh, your friend with a, uh, potato. a, a potato and a piece <laughs> of ice, right? And uh, bam, there it was. But, you know, I, I do not. If you want to make an appointment to have me pierce your ears, I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Uh, you're special because you're my co-host, Susan, so I'll pierce your ears. But, but mostly uh, a lot of women have elongated earring holes because, because they wear these earrings that are heavy and they pull on your earlobes, or they sleep in their earrings and they get yanked on by the pillow, or in the old days, now it doesn't happen much anymore because phones are so light. You know, it's hard to, hard to hurt your ears with an iPhone. But remember the days when you sat in your office or your home and you wedged your phone between your head and your shoulder and you talked to your friends for hours on the phone. 
You're old enough, Susan. You're like no. 30, we used 35. to. I remember taking an earring off and putting it on my desk because it hurt. On right. The receiver. That's right. And if you didn't, good. That's right. We called it a receiver then. <laughs> a receiver, the phone. That's right. We're showing our age, <laughs> you know. But uh, but certainly, uh, uh, if you did not take off your earrings, eventually those earrings would kind of work their way down. You get an elongated earring hole, and worse, what's called a bifid earlobe. That's really pleasant to look at, where your earlobe is kind of has the shape of a kind of a W. You know, because the earring has worked its way through. And I've, I've repaired multiple of these. I've had women come in where multiple, many earrings have, you know, have pulled through. They First they pierced the ear and it pulled through. So then they got it pierced in the next spot and that pulled through. And their ear looks like a, a little fringe <laughs> after a while. So what I do as a plastic surgeon, come on in, and it's a really simple procedure. I numb up your ear, which is a very simple thing to do. I did one last week. And uh, I'll use the, the uh, common terminology. She was freaking out that I was going to hurt her. It doesn't hurt. It really doesn't. So you numb up the earlobe. It's very simple to do. Don't try this at home. And then what I do is, up oh, there's Winston, you know, right on cue. You know, Winston wants to be part of the show every week. Uh, you know, so what I do is I numb it up. And then I remove the skin along the tract that the earring went through. And if it, if it pulled through... It's a, a little V-shaped tract, and if it didn't pull through all the way, it's a circular tract. And I have to remove the skin because you can't just sew it together. There's skin there. Skin to skin doesn't uh, heal. You have to have a raw surface. But if we don't do something fancy, you get a little notch on the bottom of your ear. So there's a little fancy footwork I won't bore you with, Susan, but uh, I have to put it together in a special way. And then usually we'll either pierce the ear that day if you've got room. I have so many women that come in with multiple piercings now, it's very difficult to find a spot to add to uh, their piercings. Uh, and if we don't do it that day, we'll wait three or four weeks and, and, then, um, and then pierce the ear. Now, how many piercings do you have, Susan? Nope, just, just uh, actually I had two. I've let one close up. But I will say I've encouraged many of my friends to see you about these elongated earlobes that are really unattractive to have them shortened and re-pierced. And that's the other thing that happens as you get older. So now you have uh, beautiful little earlobes, and but a lot of women, like you said, their earlobes, they elongate, they get big and floppy as you get, you know, sort of like, um, I won't say, but they're, they're big, these earlobes. Like your basset? Flopsy? <laughs> that's right. Like my Flopsy. Good old Flopsy. No, my bassets now are Fred and Olive, uh, and, and I... I sent. I saw them last week in Los Angeles. By the way, I sent them to live with my son because I I left my home, moved into Manhattan. So uh, my Bassets are now uh, they're happy in Studio City, California. Why so, not? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So the ears they tend to look like Basset hounds as you get older. And while I have never operated on a Basset hound ear, I operate on a lot of women's ears that elongate. They get floppy. And, uh, and the way we do that, now there's a newer operation. We kind of, it's almost, oh, you're ready for this one. You're going to, your stomach will uh, kind of turn. It's almost like a little amputation of the bottom part of the earlobe. And I've removed as much as a half an inch of earlobe. You know, there's a right amount of earlobe that's supposed to be shown. And there are lots and lots of different techniques that are used. But the, uh, the easiest one now that the, a lot of plastic surgeons are doing, it was presented at our plastic surgery meeting in uh, San Diego a few weeks ago. Uh, and it's just basically a little amputation. We just snip it off, a little off the top, as they say, Ooh. and sew it up. 
and then re-pierce it, and uh, it looks very nice. You know, the, the thing about earlobes, though, sometimes they uh, they get kind of rumpled up. So I'll tell you, it's not Rumpled good? up? Yeah, that's a technical term. We, really? Uh, you know, plastic surgeons <laughs> use that term. When we come back from our break, I'm going to tell you about what I do for rumpled earlobes and and shrunken earlobes and wrinkled earlobes. It's earlobe night here on WOR. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. Give me a call, 800-321-0710. We'll be back talking more about earlobes and other things, Brazilian butt lifts and all sorts of other things. We'll be right back. Bye-bye. What do you want from your skincare? I know what you want. You want products that actually do what they're supposed to do. And you want skincare that's simple to use. You want skincare that's non-toxic. I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and I've created exactly that. Great skincare with effective ingredients, inexpensive, and easy to use. And to look great, you only need four products. I've got daytime SPF 20 skin protector. That's your foundation. I've got a moisturizer and a nighttime serum that contains vitamin C and A, fruit acid, antioxidants and skin brighteners and once you've used my clean time soap well you're never going to be able to go back to the cleansers that have been harming your skin for years i want everyone to try my products so for a limited time i'm giving wor listeners 20 percent off go to drperrys.com that's d-r-p-e-r-r-y-s.com or give us a call at 844 Perry. use the wor21 code for the discount to learn more listen every saturday evening at 6 p.m right here on W-O-R. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? You hear that dog in the background, by the way? That tells you that we're doing the show, not in the studios. Mike, we have a dog on the terrace. Hopefully he's not going to jump. I hope Noah is in the studio doing the engineering. Yeah, okay. And there was Winston with uh, Dr. Mike Rose. Hey, Noah, thanks for mentioning uh, Mike, by the way, and bringing uh, him in. You know, I uh, went out to the Cleveland Clinic. You know, I have no secrets here. Susan knows that. I I have no privacy. Shameless. Yes, shameless. I went out to the Cleveland Clinic this week for two days with my good friend, Dr. Michael Roizen, who runs the Executive Health uh, Program. This is not a commercial. So I went out and had my executive physical. Never did anything like this. Uh, Two days of testing, you know, CAT scans from head to toe and stress tests and laboratory tests, testosterone levels, uh, all sorts of things. And (laughs) Susan's looking at me. What was it? Okay. It was was very good. Thank you. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, everything came out great. It was a very good experience. So Mike is going to come on the show in two weeks and talk about that. And he gave me the copy of The Great Age Reboot. Uh, Great Age Reboot is the book that is coming out. I told you about this a few weeks ago. It's coming out in the fall, and I wrote a a, a large section of the book. I'm, I was reading it. It's a great uh, great book. So we're going to talk about uh, the executive health program at the Cleveland Clinic with Mike in a couple weeks, and also the Great Age Reboot. That book that uh, you'll want to buy, and you can pre-buy it by the way on Amazon. Let's help make uh, Mike's. Uh, he's had probably about ten New York Times bestsellers bunch of new number one bestseller the one that i wrote with mike and dr oz was uh was you being beautiful and that became a number one new york times bestseller so i'm happy about that all right so uh we were talking about earlobes and you know earlobe reductions uh, i talked about how about earlobe augmentation you know some people have little tiny earlobes you know you have perfect little earlobes i've never seen little tiny earlobes little tiny earlobes and i can grow earlobes 
I can really grow them uh, with things like Restylane or fat grafting. Uh, you know, I've done them in actually children with deformities of the earlobes. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're born with a, uh, a very small earlobe, one of the nice ways uh, to take care of this is, uh, is by injecting fat or something like that. And I can actually grow earlobes. So, so nowadays it's, it's quite simple. And I actually developed a technique. I'm trying to get this published. It was rejected from one journal. How do you like that, Susan? Keep trying. Where, yeah, I'll keep trying. But uh, I saw a patient with those gauges. Do you know what gauges are? I don't know if it's in the demographic of my audience here I do. on WOR. Yeah, that's when people put, uh, they pierce their ear, and then they put a thing in, and they stretch that earring hole, and then they put progressively larger gauges in. That's where the, the, the word comes from. And, uh, and then you can kind of see through the earlobe. It's a little disconcerting, you know. Uh, I've had people bring their children in by the earlobe to get their gauges closed. And it's daunting because they can get so stretched out that there's not much left to the earlobe. So the way I deal with this is I actually grow the earlobe back. I take out the gauge and I grow it back with either Restylane or fat. Uh, and we put it under a lot of pressure. So it's almost like tissue expansion. And then after a couple months, the tissue actually grows. It grows because pressure inside the ear causes fat to grow, in this case, and it also causes the skin to grow. And then once uh, there's enough tissue there, then I do a, a more traditional earlobe repair, like I told you about with uh, piercings. So it's, it's fun to do. I've got some great uh, cases that I'm trying to publish in the uh, Plastic Surgery Journal. It's not the easiest thing these days to publish case reports. Uh, but we'll get it published. So uh, that's one of the things I do. But, you know, when people think about earlobe surgery or ear surgery, they really think about the more traditional ear setback surgery. So have you seen people, Susan, that have ears that kind of stick out? When I was in, in my youth, that was a big surgery. We called it having your ears pinned. Yeah. They yeah. still call it pinning? Yeah, kind of. You know, it's called an otoplasty. We like to have formal <laughs> It's very words. official. It's, it's very official, yes. Formal words in plastic surgery. Heaven forbid anyone is able to actually pronounce those words, right? So an otoplasty is a great operation. I've been doing it for 30-something years, and uh, it's done under local anesthesia with some sedation. I've had, I do it as early as six years old, but, but, you know, there's two groups of people that I do the ear setback operation. They're children. And then there are women who have had their children. So once you've had your children, they're, you know, they're out on their own. You're not uh, taking them to school every uh, three minutes or to activities. There's a little time to spend on yourself. And you look at yourself and you say, you know, I never liked my ears when I was a little kid, and I sure don't like them when I'm 50. So uh, maybe I can get something done. And yes, we can still do an ear setback operation called an otoplasty, even in your 50s. And it's really a nice operation. I make an incision behind the ear. There's no incision in front of the ear. And I actually bend the cartilage. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a very simple operation. We put some permanent stitches in to bend the cartilage. Because the problem is, it's not usually that they stick out far, that they're too big. It's at the cartilage. Do you know which cartilage it, cartilage it is, Susan? I don't. No, it's called the anti-helix. Oh, my God. That's your, uh, your party word for the evening, the anti-helix. It's the part of the ear that gets unfolded, causing your ears to protrude. So we place about four stitches that are permanent underneath the skin through the cartilage and then close it back up, and voila, we have ears that no longer stick out. So that's called an otoplasty. It's a very simple operation. 
And, you know, there's only uh, maybe 6,000 of those operations a year in the United States. It's kind of funny. It's not that popular, but it is very simple. Do you know how many people had their earlobes fixed from, from earrings pulling through? It's kind of a tongue twister. So your earrings pulled through. How many people in the United States last year? How many had liposuction from last week? Well, that's about 340,000 or so, almost 400,000 Less suction. than that. Less than that. Okay, good. I, you know, I put you on the spot here. There's no way for you to possibly know that. All right, 34,000. That's according to the uh, the Aesthetic Society. They actually compile these statistics. Every uh, December, I send in my numbers, and everybody else in the country sends in their numbers, and we come up with uh, the number of people that have these various procedures. So about 34,000 people came in and had their earlobes fixed last year. We don't know how many people had their earlobes reduced. That's not an operation that they keep track of. Or how many people had filler put in their earlobes to plump up to make grapes out of raisins, Susan. Grapes. <laughs> <laughs> what a profundity. That, thank you. That's right. When you have these little shriveled earlobes. <laughs> wow. She's looking at me like, okay, when's the show going to be over? <laughs> Let's move on. All right. So earlobe surgery, it is one of those things that's so simple to do. You come in. The, I do it in the office, not in the... Not in the uh, formal operating room. I do it in my, yeah, I mean, it's a formal operating room in my office, but it's done under local anesthesia. It is a big, big bang for your buck in change when you can finally wear earrings and your ears look great. It, it really is. And, you know, one of the things that happens as you, as you involute, as you get older, Susan, as you, <laughs> she's looking at me, as your earlobes involute and you lose some of the volume of your earlobe, is that your earrings then kind of turn. Yeah, flip. Yeah, they no longer will just sit there. You know, you spend all this money on pearls or diamonds or beautiful gold they earrings. They flip over and you can't see the beauty of the earring. So when we restore the volume of the earlobe, and it just, just takes a little bit. Usually I can put just a little bit in the earlobes on a day that I'm also putting some in the wrinkles around your lips and the nasolabial folds and the spokes of the wheel around the lips, the wrinkles, and Susan's uh, looking at me like, okay, yeah, we talk about that every week. But it, it's so popular. You know, when we talk about popularity of procedures, you know, 1.6, 1.7 million people had filler last year. So it dwarfs the 6,000 otoplasties that we were just talking about. So don't roll your eyes when I talk. <laughs> I won't. Okay, thank you. So many people are doing these things. If you're listening for the first time, this is What's Your Wrinkle? right here on WOR. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. My co-host, Susan Warner, my sidekick in uh, in crime on the radio here. She is a, an observer of plastic surgery and a, a good friend and a college counselor in uh, in New York and has her own podcast, Susan is Suddenly Single. So, so listen to that. Uh, but who am I? If this is the very first time, if you're crossing the George Washington Bridge right now, now, please don't look at your phone. But if you're crawling, and you can call, call in, but you have to have the, uh, you know, the voice commands, 800-321-0710. Call in if you want. But I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. I trained in surgery at Harvard Medical School in Boston, and uh, I trained in plastic surgery at the University of Chicago, where I was the chief resident. I did a burn fellowship at New York Hospital. That was lots of fun. My goodness, those patients are so sick. That's where you really learn how to be a doctor in that kind of fellowship. And then I did a cosmetic surgery fellowship, which is sort of the polar opposite of Burns, uh, at Miami, in Miami with uh, Drs. Baker and Gordon, the uh, originators of the chemical peel, the originators of the modern facelift. And it was uh, quite an experience. So that's who I am. I 
teach at Columbia and Rutgers. And, uh, hey, we're opening up that uh, Tribeca Surgery Center. My so partner, exciting. My partner, Oren Tepper, went this week to the Tribeca Surgery Center, and he is so excited he could con barely contain himself because the walls are now up, and we've been talking about it. It took a while to get going, but... Yeah, the electrical cables are going in. The water is going in. It's uh, it's really happening. It is state-of-the-art. So, it's going yeah. to be extraordinary. It's going to be incredible. We have three operating rooms. We're going to have about a dozen plastic surgeons. We'll have residents coming through. That doesn't mean the residents are doing your surgery. They're just learning from uh, Dr. Garfine, Dr. Tepper, and myself and our uh, our plastic surgeons that will be doing surgery there. They're, you know, that's how it works in cosmetic surgery, by the way. The residents learn. They have to have their own patients in their cosmetic surgery clinics. So, no, if I have a resident in my case, don't worry. I put every single stitch in myself. But it's a good experience. And when you go to a doctor that does teach residents, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's good because you know that that doctor has to be on his toes and or on her toes and at the top of the field because you're not going to be teaching if uh, you're some uh, guy that hasn't read the literature for the last 30 years, right? right? So so that's good. So we've got some great big announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna, going to announce who our anesthesiologists are, and you're going to love who they are. Uh, a lot of good things happening at Tribeca in, uh, in the next uh, few weeks, and we'll be opening in the fall. And you have a New York office now, don't you? Yes, I do, Susan, in the Upper East Side. On uh, Park Avenue, it's a great location, so it's a 73rd and Park. The uh, The number is, what is it, 785 Park Avenue, and it's a great location, and I'm there every week. I'm doing Botox, I'm doing fillers, minor procedures there. Yeah, I'll do some uh, earlobe procedures. We'll do some moles and things like that, but if we have to do Consultations? Anything, of course, consultations. So if you're interested in cosmetic surgery, come and visit me. On uh, Park Avenue, there's absolutely no parking in the neighborhood. No, there, there's parking, but it's a tough part of town. We're walkers in New We're, York. That's right. You take the uh, the subway, you know, just arm yourself. These oh, days. stop. <laughs> that's just a little mace. Uh, you stop. Know. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. When we come back from our break, I'm going to talk about something I have never talked about on this show before, and that's those tattoos that women and men get. Uh, to mark the spots that you're having radiation for cancer. And hopefully it's long behind you, and, uh, but, the, but the spots linger. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about what we can do for those spots. We'll be back in just a minute. 800-321-0710 is the phone number. Give me a call. Noah, let's take our next break. These last two years have aged us terribly, but masks are coming off and it's time to get back out there. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and I'm here to help. I smooth forehead wrinkles with Botox and creatively use fillers for wrinkles around the mouth. Filler also plumps shrunken lips, and filler smooths the jawline. It makes your chin and cheeks more prominent, and along with lasers and Ulthera, even improves upper chest lines and aging hands. And when it's time, I'm a surgeon. I perform short scar, face, and neck lifts to help restore your youthful appearance. My offices are in Manhattan on Park and 73rd and in Somerset, New Jersey. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Let's sit down and come up with a plan to get you looking and feeling better. Check me out at www.perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? 
back. This is Board Certified Plastic Surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I'm co-hosting with Susan Warner. Susan, how are you this evening? I mean, you you know, I know I, maybe I divulged a little bit too much medical information. You overshare, Dr. Perry. Uh, well, yeah, you know, what can I say? I've always talked, last year I talked about my hernia on the uh, radio. You know, I practice what I preach. If I tell my patients, just tell everybody you're going to have cosmetic surgery, why would I not? Why would you not? Yeah, I talked about my Althera that I had four times, very painful, <laughs> but it tightens the neck skin. Worth it. It is worth it. All right. But but we'll talk about something a little bit more serious now. And uh, so those of you who have, have had cancer and have had radiation therapy, well, you know all too well what I'm about to talk about, the little tattoos that you got at the beginning of the very first consultation with the radiation oncologist, the radiation therapist, uh, to mark the area for your lung cancer, for your breast cancer, for whatever cancer you had, you have these little black-blue marks. They're not so little, and they're not artistic, and they're not particularly a good memory, are they? Because once you're done with the uh, the radiation, you don't need those marks anymore, but they stay and they are permanent, and they will be there for the rest of your, of your life, reminding you every single day that you had cancer. So a lot of people are very, very troubled by it. So there's a, there's actually a technique to remove these these tattoos, and it's actually fairly easy, Susan. Um, in fact, there's a variety of lasers. I use a type of laser that takes about three or so treatments to remove these. Sometimes it's more. Uh, it's eh, It doesn't really hurt. We can numb up the area. Unlike wrinkle removing, uh, you know, lasers uh, where I use Emla cream and only uh, numb up part of the face. Here we can remove, uh, we can numb up the entire tattoo, so you won't feel anything if you want. A lot of people don't even have any uh, any uh, anesthesia at all because it's just a small thing. But there's actually a study that was uh, published in this month's Journal of Dermatologic Surgery. And for the very first time, it's really one of those things that's not talked about. Radiation therapists don't tell their patients, well, you know, after we're done, you can go to a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist and have these things lasered off. They never do. Um, but, but the truth is, it's something that is available, and it's actually pretty easy. It really is. You come in, it takes about 15 minutes of treatment. You need uh, a number of treatments. So in this particular study... Uh, let me see if I can get you the numbers, Susan. Uh, first of all, about uh, 80% of people who had the tattoos first, they were asked, do you want these off? And they said, absolutely. So there's some people that just don't care. Or maybe they're very old. You know, if you're 85, 90, maybe you don't care. Maybe you do. I remember my mother, uh, you know, she had lung cancer in her late 80s. And uh, she still bugged me all the time. She goes, when are you going to do my facelift? You know, and Okay. <laughs> Dr. Perry, why don't they use a more temporary tattooing? There isn't. Well, the tattooing that's often used that is sterile is less permanent? Um, well, you know, but they still, they, they don't, the, the sterile pigment, uh, yeah, that's, that's good. It's definitely safer for you. Um, I don't know if the, the radiation therapists use that, and if they do, they, they use a darker color. Mm. And, and even that pigment, that sterile, is not temporary. It's considered permanent. It might fade a bit over time, but, you know, 10 years later, you're still going to have a tattoo. And, and when we're talking about black and dark blue tattoos, mm. um, you know, they're visible. And if you wear a low-cut dress or a shirt, someone says, oh, is that a mole? You know, because sometimes they look like blue nevi. 
you know, the type that I took off Jimmy Fallon's hand. Mm -hmm. oh, always a plug for my uh, my show they're doing. But uh, but seriously, uh, they look kind of funny, um, and they're visible. So to remove these, it's it's really uh, fairly easy, fairly easy to do. So it turns out, uh, let's see, let's get some uh, numbers here. Uh, most cases, about about 75% of the time, it only takes about three treatments to remove these uh, these. But about another 15% of the time, it takes up to about six treatments. It depends on how deep the tattoo pigment was placed, uh, how much pigment was placed. Um, every now and then, it's even more than six treatments. But the average, you know, I've removed these tattoos, and, and they do really come off in three or so treatments. And they're pretty simple. The goal is not to have a little white spot. So if you've got very dark skin, it's tough to remove these tattoos without creating a white spot. So not every laser can remove the tattoo without creating a white spot in dark-skinned people. So in light-skinned people, there are four different lasers that can be used, and most plastic surgeons or dermatologists have access to one of those lasers. But if you're darker-skinned, you'll need to go to a, special, a laser specialist because most of us don't have the lasers that are safe in darker skin colors because they can also remove melanin, and we don't want to do that. We need very, very specific lasers. And unless you are a, a laser maven and, and your whole practice is tattoo removal, you probably don't have that type of a laser. So anyway, it's something that's interesting, and it's out there. So if you have, a, if you have one of those tattoos and you're bothered by it because it reminds you every single day of your diagnosis, you know, they're not necessary after the radiation therapy. Um, you know, I mean, I've used them as guidelines in doing reconstruction in people afterwards because the area that has been irradiated has changes in it, you know, and it's a little uh, dicier to operate on tissue that's been irradiated. So there's some use for the surgeon, but not enough to warrant keeping the tattoo, you know. Any that's a very necessary service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so it is, and it's interesting, and a lot of people just simply don't realize, don't realize that it's I out there. I never knew that that was available. Yeah, yeah, just erase it. Erase it with the laser, and you don't have to think about it again. And hopefully you're cured. You're not you, Susan. You don't have that. But uh, people, patients are cured mm -hmm. of their cancer, and they never have to think about it again, and it just goes away, as do the spots. Nice. Yeah. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon, Dr. Arthur Perry. The phone number here at WOR is 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. We're broadcasting from, uh, from the Hamptons, and it's quiet here. It's a beautiful uh, night. There are no subway knifings out here. Uh, people don't get pushed into this. <laughs> Stop. Yep, and the uh, the dog is waiting to become part of uh, the show once again. So you know, I have been on this uh, this thing for several years that um, to try and get Brazilian butt lifts banned. Isn't that something? I'm like the guy in the country that thinks they're not good procedures. And uh, I wrote an essay, an opinion piece in USA Today a couple of years ago. And after, and the, the reason I got involved in this, Susan, is not that I had any disdain for the procedure before uh, beforehand. I just decided, as a plastic surgeon, I wasn't going to do it because it was a. I thought it was not the smartest procedure to do. You know, whether you want your buttocks large or not, that's kind of your own business. Uh, but if you're going to have a procedure done, it's got to be safe. It really has to be safe. And if plastic surgeons are going to be doing the procedure, it should be safe. And I've talked a lot on this show and other shows about how the Brazilian butt lift just simply isn't safe. And there have been hundreds and hundreds of deaths. And the reason, just in a nutshell, the reason it's a dangerous procedure is because the blood vessels in the buttocks are enormous. 
and every time I operate on a buttocks, um, and uh, and it used to be more frequent than now because I used to do reconstructive surgery on buttocks, and we used to use move flaps around and. And it's amazing to me, and I used to wonder, why are the blood vessels the size of drinking straws? They're enormous in the buttocks. And the reason is because we sit on our buttocks all day. A lot of us, I try and get up and move around, keeping my physique beautiful. <laughs> She's looking at me. Uh, yes, we want to get up. We want to walk around. But if you sit on your buttocks all day, you can actually get pressure sores if you didn't have a lot of blood flow going through. And that's what happens to people who are older and people who have low cardiac output states, which means they're in the hospital, they're in, uh, they're in beds, and they get pressure sores, right? Right. Right. So yeah. the blood vessels are huge. If I inject fat into the bu uh, buttocks, we can get fat into the blood vessels that travels through the heart into the lungs, and you die. That's how it happens. So the Brazilian butt lift is an operation that takes fat from your belly, if you have it, and most people have plenty in your, on their belly or their hips or their thighs, and it's injected into the buttocks. Hundreds of deaths. Three years ago, the state of Florida came out with some guidelines. They said there are way too many deaths in Florida, and so we're going to put some guidelines in, and we're going to put an end to the deaths in Florida. And so their guidelines said you couldn't inject into the muscle. Um, okay, that's actually hard to do. I won't bore you with the details. But they said don't inject into the muscle, just put it into the fat. As it turns out, there have been now a dozen deaths since those guidelines went in. So now, last week, the state of Florida acted, and they did something that riled up a lot of plastic surgeons. They said, and it's the law now, that you can only do three of these a day. And I look at that and say, that's... That's nuts. First of all, they're talking about the surgeons that are fatigued, that run these mills, and uh, and do like six of them a day. I mean, it's crazy. Is that where most of the problems are? Yeah, it's most of the problems are in Florida and these mills. Um, but the problem is, it's not just those places. There are deaths all over by good board-certified plastic surgeons. There was a survey a few years ago that showed that a full 3% of plastic surgeons that do these procedures have had a death. That's that's an amazing statistic. Heaven forbid that happens. You know, that is, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how these things should just not happen in cosmetic surgery. You know, I mean, look, granted, things can happen whenever you, I always tell my patients, uh, there's risk in driving your car. The National Safety Traffic, whatever, administration said, uh, they published a paper a few years ago that said there's a 1 in 3,000 chance of dying if you take a, a road like the New Jersey Turnpike every single day. Uh, so if you take that, you're, gonna, you're, you're taking your life in your hands. Uh, and certainly you're taking your life in your hands with any surgical procedure or bathing because there are deaths in the bathtub, right? So there's risks in everything in life, and you have to, uh, you have to evaluate the benefits and the risks of everything. So certain procedures are very, very low risk. So a facelift, for instance, it's, it's an extremely low risk procedure. And I like to do stress tests on all my facelift patients, uh, certainly if you're over 60. And that tells us that if you pass your stress test, like I had a few days ago, and I passed my stress test, so you'll be just fine in surgery. Um, so, so, But it's different with the Brazilian butt lift because that's an inherently dangerous procedure. Has any state outlawed them? No. Countries have. There are countries. I can't remember if the ban in France is still in existence. England considered it. Uh, but there are countries that won't allow people to do it. Does New it. York State have restrictions? I don't believe so. No. And you know what? What Florida did, um, 
by saying you can only do three a day. And they also mandated the use of ultrasound in uh, the procedure, so you're supposed to be able to see the blood vessels. It's it's well-intentioned, but I'm sorry, it's a really stupid law because that's uh, that's crazy. It doesn't stop people from doing five liposuctions and then three Brazilian butlers. They're right. still they're still tired Fatigued. at the end of the day. So that's sort of silly to try and limit the workload of the surgeon. You know, it's not like a uh, a pilot, you know. I mean, are you going to say we can only operate for eight hours? And what happens if you have a procedure that's 10 hours long? You know, like a body lift with something else. Is that banned then? I mean, so when the government starts getting involved in micromanaging a surgical procedure, I don't like that, even though I'm not in favor of doing Brazilian butt lifts. I don't know if they should be banned by law. I think probably more like uh, it should be considered uh, a banned procedure by our national society. But regardless, uh, when they start then saying, well, you have to use ultrasound so that you can see the blood vessels, that shows that they don't have a clue of what they're talking about. Uh, and I was one of those government regulators Aren't for 10 years. Aren't those regulators doctors? Uh, yes, they are doctors, but they're not all plastic surgeons. So I was for a long time the only plastic surgeon on the uh, Board of Medical Examiners for the state of New Jersey. So you know, I did this. This is this is what I did for 10 years besides, uh, you know, one day every two weeks. Uh, the rest of the time I was an operating plastic surgeon. But uh, but I know that what they do in these boards and to micromanage and tell them that they have to uh, use ultrasound. That's crazy because the, the honest truth is there's no way to use ultrasound and then see where the blood vessel is, move the ultrasound, inject. You know, that doesn't mean that they're not injecting into the blood vessel. It's well-intentioned but stupid. And so the saga continues in the Brazilian butt lift world. Uh, plastic surgeons are actually now suing the state of Florida because uh, they don't want these regulations to go into effect. Uh, I think they're going to win on this one because uh, these regulations are silly. All right, I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I'm sitting outside around the pool with a little pizza here, healthy pizza, uh, in uh, the Hamptons. And uh, you can give a call to the show, 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. We'll be back after these words. What do you want from your skincare? I know what you want. You want products that actually do what they're supposed to do. And you want skincare that's simple to use. You want skincare that's non-toxic. I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and I've created exactly that. Great skincare with effective ingredients, inexpensive, and easy to use. And to look great, you only need four products. I've got daytime SPF 20 skin protector. That's your foundation. I've got a moisturizer and a nighttime serum that contains vitamin C and A, fruit acid, antioxidants and skin brighteners and once you've used my clean time soap well you're never going to be able to go back to the cleansers that have been harming your skin for years i want everyone to try my products so for a limited time i'm giving wor listeners 20 percent off go to drperrys.com that's d-r-p-e-r-r-y-s.com or give us a call at 844 dr perry use the wor21 code for the discount to learn more listen every saturday evening at 6 p.m right here on W-O-R. These last two years have aged us terribly, but masks are coming off and it's time to get back out there. I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and I'm here to help. I smooth forehead wrinkles with Botox and creatively use fillers for wrinkles around the mouth. Filler also plumps shrunken lips, and filler smooths the jawline. It makes your chin and cheeks more prominent, and along with lasers and Ulthera, even improves upper chest lines and aging hands. And when it's time, 
I'm a surgeon. I perform short scar, face, and neck lifts to help restore your youthful appearance. My offices are in Manhattan on Park and 73rd and in Somerset, New Jersey. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Let's sit down and come up with a plan to get you looking and feeling better. Check me out at www.perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And what is your wrinkle? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, and I'm here with... Susan Warner. Susan Warner, college counselor, observer of cosmetic surgery, and... You had some filler, right, Susan? I did have filler. I do have filler. And I'm a big fan. Yeah, well, um, a good job. Who did it? Oh, I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Differently than I've ever had it done before. Yeah, and that's what I tell people. You know, a lot of times people just smush a whole bunch of filler in and and thus the duck lips, right? It's not just duck lips. It's overfill. And um, your technique where the expectation is to observe it use it and then see where you want to go with it is so much healthier yeah and and i tell people you know the reason the celebrities look terrible is because they often will tell the doctor what to do and the doctors don't give any pushback you know i don't know if that's what happened in joan rivers case i have no idea but i do know i've had plenty of people come and tell me how to do things and when to do it. I've had people bring me filler from Russia. Oh, this is the good stuff we use in Russia. And here, I'll pay for it. You inject it. Yeah, that's called a felony. I don't think so. No, that's a felony. I'm not going to do that. So, uh, no, I do it uh, my way, and it's a different way. So, um, and if you want it all at once, if you have a lot of wrinkles, you're not going to you're not going to fill all those safely and and without distortion in one visit. There's yeah. a patience factor here. If you're patient and go to you, you can definitely achieve your goal, but you must be patient. Absolutely. And so the way I do it is uh, we'll numb you up, uh, take about an hour. We'll do hundreds of injections. Hundreds. Hundreds of these little micro droplets that I use. And, and we'll do just enough. Just enough, because if we put too much in, I know when the lip will curl, we'll distort the features. I don't want to wipe out your nasolabial fold. You have nasolabial folds, and you did when you were 14. And so if you don't have a nasolabial fold, you look funny. You know, and you, people can't put their hand on it. What's, what's wrong with that person? Well, they had their nasolabial fold wiped out by some plastic surgeon who did not know what he or she was doing. You have to leave it, but you want to minimize it. I don't want a Grand Canyon. I want a nice little tiny fold so you have a, a distinction between your upper lip and your cheek like normal humans do. So there's a real art to this. And, you know, when I hear that, you know, physician's assistants and nurse practitioners and dentists are doing filler and they took their two-hour certification course uh, online. Uh, now they did some uh, course and, uh, you know, they flew to Omaha. They had a nice luncheon and uh, got the... I, I find, find, by the way, Susan, that the shorter the course, the more glorious the diploma is. <laughs> it's really... Uh, it's, it's, is that in life, do you think? Yeah, right. No, but, but seriously, you know, these people have these incredible credentials on the wall and then you check them out. It's like, Oh, yeah, that was a four-hour course with uh, two breaks and a lunch break. <laughs> you know, you have to be careful who's doing it. Anyway, and one of the serious things that can happen with filler, you know, it's, it's great. I do filler every single day. 
Every day. Every day. I, every day. I really do. You know, unless I'm in the operating room doing a facelift or something like that. But uh, and even then, we'll do fillers sometimes. This week, I'm doing a facelift. We're doing fat grafting in the uh, during the facelift because that's uh, one of the more uh, enduring things when I put fat in the nasolabial fold or the lips or or the cheeks during a facelift. But but certainly, um, every day I'm doing this, and it is a good procedure. It's a safe procedure the way I do it. Uh, but there have been bad things happen. Not with me, thank goodness. Uh, but there was an article in the June issue of Dermatologic Surgery, one of the journals I read. I read the plastic surgery journals and the dermatology journals and uh, all sorts of other ones, you know, the, the flight journals. and th Okay, anyway, in this particular one, they looked at the, uh, the disasters that can happen with filler. And unfortunately, they're out there. They're not real, real common. But when they happen, they're bad. And we're talking blindness. Uh, what causes blindness? Well, you know, the filler is a gel. And all the blood vessels in the face are interconnected. You know, it's not just a distinct, it's not like a, a tree that has limbs. And if you inject into one limb, it's not going to get into the other limb. They're all sort of sorts of interconnections. So particularly in the nose and around the eyes and specifically between the eyebrows, there are blood vessels that connect with the blood vessels behind the eye. So if a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist or a PA or a nurse or a dentist or God knows who injects in the wrong area and doesn't know what he or she is doing, maybe injects a little too much or maybe they do it just right but they just don't know where the blood vessels are, and they're unlucky enough to inject in a blood vessel, that gel goes into the blood vessel, and the very next heartbeat, it gets pumped back out into the eye blood vessels, mm -hmm. and you have immediate and permanent blindness. Wow. There can be strokes. There's even been one death from filler. Is that from between your eyes? Yeah. The, um, it's the three areas, Those, and that's what this paper uh, looked at. The most common area of injection leading to blindness was, believe it or not, the little troughs under the eye. That I've often heard that those are dangerous. Yeah, and people ask me all the time, and I kind of waffle back and forth when I didn't do it for the longest time, and then I started injecting with a micro cannula, which is not a sharp needle. It's a blunt-tipped needle, and the material, the filler, comes out the side, not out the, uh, the front. And so inherently it's safer because it's actually quite difficult to inject in a blood vessel with that micro cannula. So I started doing that, but then in our international meeting about a year ago, uh, they came out with uh, all these complications, even from the micro cannula. So then I stopped doing that. Now, last month there was another paper that showed a little bit of a different technique using ultrasound that we talked about to, to see where the blood vessels are. Uh, and the microcannula is safer. We have to go all the way down to the level of the bone to inject that teardrop. There's a lot to it. So that's why when I hear that amateurs are doing this, I cringe. It's, uh, it's really, really dangerous. So if you want to get rid of those 11 lines, it's certainly not the most efficient thing to put filler in there. I never put filler in those. That's Botox only? It's Botox. Well, there's another way. So, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned this, actually. So there's a, there's a technique that I've been doing uh, where I take stitches, dissolving stitches made of a material called PDS, polydioxinone, for those of you out there who really want all these names. Uh, so these PDS sutures, I thread underneath the skin, and I cut them off right at the skin. And 
the nature of this suture is to generate collagen. And so we put them underneath there and they generate a little bit of collagen. And I put two or three of these stitches in that 11 wrinkle. So the other thing I've done, when they're really deep, and it's usually not the 11 wrinkle, but the one that goes horizontal across the top of your nose between your brows. The one from squinting all the time? Yes, and, and you're nowhere near how mm. deep it has to mm. be, Susan. Don't worry. Uh, but I've had people where it's so deep, almost like an eighth of an inch deep, you know, you can put a little ruler in there and measure it. Uh, those, you're not going to fix those with Botox. You're not going to fix those with the stitches. And I actually excise those. Oof. I cut them out. It's doing a little lift of that tissue. And I replace that really, really deep furrow with just something that looks like a fine wrinkle. And while we don't want more wrinkles, we'd rather have a wrinkle than this this canyon, <laughs> you know, on the top of our nose. And, you know, that technique, which is called direct excision, I've also done in the nasolabial folds. Mm -hmm. um, and in my book, Straight Talk About Cosmetic Surgery, another shameless plug for the book, still available on Amazon.com, by the way. Trying, I've been five years away, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, four months away for five years writing the, uh, the sequel to it, but we'll get there. Uh, anyway, uh, so in that, uh, you know, we, we talk about these things. We talk about um, the direct excision of the nasolabial folds um, in people who have really deep nasolabial folds. And the other thing that I can do is something called the, the incisionless wire release. Oh, boy, that's a big word, right? That, it's a pretty cool procedure. There are, we don't do it too often. I, you know, I do one or two of these a year. It's not a big seller. <laughs> it's not like uh, doing Botox. But what it is, if you've got a really, really deep fold and you say, I'm not going to put a scar on my cheek, Dr. Perry, come on now. So what I do is I put this wire underneath the skin. Uh, you're going to cringe at this one. And uh, I cheese slice through the tissue, releasing the mm. skin from the fat. And then I fill the tissue with either fat or something like Restylane or, or Juvederm, one of those fillers. And that's a very effective uh, release. I saw a woman last week, she's in for another procedure, and I did that release on her probably a dozen years ago. And the folds, she had really, really deep nasolabial folds, and they're still good. So it's a very effective procedure. So we can do all sorts of things. And that's the essence of plastic surgery, Susan. It is not just a cookie-cutter thing. You know, you hear these uh, people going down to Miami and meeting their surgeon the day of surgery. That's crazy. You know, we do a one-hour consultation. We sit down and really figure out there are so many different things that I can do to help you look better. There's fillers. There's Botox. There's surgery. There's what I just talked about, the excision of wrinkles. Not too popular. The incisionless wire release. There's facelifts. There's brow lifts and eyelid lifts. There's lasers. There's all sorts of things. There's Althera. So the consultation is extensive uh, but important. And, you, and if your surgeon isn't going to spend an hour with you, then uh, you know, that's not being fair to you. So that's how we do it, Susan. You haven't mentioned the um, threading ah, facelift. Uh, what about that? I'm not wild about threads. We're going to run out of time real soon, so I'll tell you, and maybe we'll talk about maybe it. Maybe next week. Yeah, I, uh, that's our teaser. But uh, I, I actually did threads twice in my career, you know, the first time 12 or 13 years ago. And when they were then taken off the market, they weren't so good. And then I did them again when they came out with the dissolving threads, uh, you know, so that wasn't so good. I helped a company develop their, their, uh, their product, their competing product, you know, and, uh, you know, not so, not so good. 
you know, I've heard celebrities. We can't mention that celebrity. No, we, no, can't. we can't do that. Who's had the threats? I'm not a. I'm not a big fan of the threats. I think they fail in most cases, okay. and uh, it's probably not worth it. Well, Noah begins to wave his hands frantically in the studio. Go to my website if you want more information about me, PeriPlasticSurgery.com. Uh, check out Susan's podcast. Susan is suddenly single. And, uh, and then you can uh, buy the products that we talk about on the show at drperrys.com, D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com. And if you want to see me as a patient, you can do that, 212-753-1820. I've got offices on Park Avenue and, of course, in Somerset County, New Jersey, Central Jersey. Susan, thanks so much for uh, co-hosting. Thank you, Dr. Perry. I really appreciate it. Noah, have a great night. We'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. Oh, stay tuned for David Folk Thomas. The greatest newscaster of all time. He's about to tell you what's happening. Bye-bye.